It's Tuesday, June the 9th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Democrats push police reform and S&P 500 draws even. First, the world in brief. Democrats in America's Congress unveiled a police reform bill in response to the killing of George Floyd and other black Americans by cops. The legislation would ban chokeholds, make it easier to prosecute police misconduct, and require more rigorous training to counter racial bias. Even if the wide-ranging measures are passed in the House, they may be rejected by the Republican-controlled Senate. Meanwhile, Derek Chauvin, the officer who asphyxiated Mr. Floyd by kneeling on his neck for over eight minutes, appeared in court via video link from jail in Minnesota. Mr. Chauvin, who has been charged with second-degree murder, said little during the hearing. The judge set bail at $1.25 million. Mr. Floyd will be laid to rest in Texas later today. The World Bank predicted that the global economy will shrink by 5.2% this year because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Output will fall most in rich countries by 7%, whereas that of poor countries will decline by around 2.5%. The bank warned that the figures could be even worse if lockdown measures are not lifted by the second half of the year. America's S&P 500 share index clawed its way above its year-opening level, despite having collapsed to three-quarters of that level in March. Investors have become optimistic about the economy's ability to rebound from the pandemic. Figures released last week showed that American employment increased in May compared with April. Other indicators released yesterday confirmed the country entered recession in February. In response to the coronavirus pandemic, BP will cut 10,000 jobs, nearly 15% of its workforce, most of whom will leave by the end of the year. Bernard Looney, the oil major's newish boss, told employees the company was spending much, much more than it makes, as the oil price, currently around $40 a barrel, has plunged below profit-making levels. Poland will close 12 coal mines in order to contain the spread of COVID-19. JSW, a state-run coal producer, has recorded 2,771 infections among its staff of around 26,000. Miners account for almost 20% of the country's sufferers. Despite the closures, the government allowed gyms, cinemas and theatres to open their doors again over the weekend. And a court in South Korea denied prosecutors a warrant to arrest Lee Jae-yong, the de facto head of Samsung Group. Mr. Lee is currently being investigated over alleged accounting fraud and share price manipulation relating to the merger of Samsung C&T and Chael Industries in 2015. In 2017, he was jailed for a year in a bribery scandal. And now, here's today's agenda. Laid to rest, George Floyd's funeral. He tried to be an example as much as he could, said Angela Harrelson of her nephew George Floyd, who will be buried today in the Houston Memorial Gardens Cemetery alongside his mother. His funeral will be private. But the death of the black man, asphyxiated by a white Minneapolis policeman who appeared in court on murder charges yesterday, has led to a global eruption of protest. In response, the City Council of Minneapolis has promised to dismantle its police department. Joe Biden, the presumptive Democratic nominee for president, met the Floyd family yesterday. The Democrat-controlled House of Representatives began to debate a bill that would make it easier to prosecute the police for misconduct. 
I'm gonna make a difference, Mr. Floyd used to say, according to a friend quoted in the Houston Chronicle, I'm gonna change the world. The thousands of people who have protested in his name will hope more change is to come. Biden his time. Joe clinches it. Before a pandemic laid waste to American politics, Georgia's presidential primary was scheduled for March 24th to cap a good month for Joe Biden. Instead, Georgia votes today, one week after Mr. Biden captured enough delegates to clinch the Democratic nomination. Mr. Biden can now begin his general election campaign in earnest, though he gave the impression he was doing so last week when he spoke at a church in Philadelphia. Amid protests, Mr. Biden promised he would never traffic in fear and division and fan the flames of hate. That message comes as prominent Republicans have started criticizing Donald Trump more overtly. Colin Powell, a former Secretary of State, said he will vote for Mr. Biden, and James Mattis, Mr. Trump's erstwhile defense secretary, called his former boss a threat to the Constitution. But Mr. Biden has a fine line to walk, remaining sympathetic to calls for better policing while distancing himself from protesters' more extreme positions of defunding or abolishing police forces. Charm Offensive – Huawei Appeals to Britain The Chinese technology giant, under siege by American officials, is determined to stay in Britain. This week, Huawei launches a glitzy advertising campaign to make its case. Although only a middling market, Britain has been a high-profile dissenter from America's legal and diplomatic campaign against the Chinese firm. In January, British spies concluded that any security risks presented by using Huawei's equipment to build 5G phone networks could be managed, but a significant number of MPs objected. Allegations that China suppressed information about COVID-19 spread boosted their case. America's latest sanctions, which aim to forbid factories around the world from making Huawei's chips, raise questions about whether the firm's equipment will remain competitive. All that has prompted a second review. Ministers must consider more than economics and narrow questions of cybersecurity. America has threatened to restrict intelligence sharing with countries that defy it. Meanwhile, British firms, including HSBC, a big bank, fear Chinese retaliation if Britain follows America's lead. The new normal, Malaysia's pandemic politics. Malaysians are ready to get moving again. From tomorrow, the country will advance into a more relaxed phase of controls to combat COVID-19. It will last until the end of August. A stringent lockdown began on March 18th before easing somewhat on May 4th. Travel between Malaysian states will be allowed, with a few exceptions, though the country's international borders remain closed. The coronavirus came at a politically febrile moment. Malaysia gained a new prime minister, Muhyiddin Yassin, on March 1st after he and his allies abandoned the former ruling coalition to join a new one. As Malaysia's king appointed Mr. Muhyiddin mid-pandemic, it remains unclear whether he actually commands a parliamentary majority. Although many other Malaysians are getting back to work, MPs will not meet until July owing to the pandemic. In the meantime, expect drama and deceit as the government and its opponents race to shore up support. Pressing pause, the video game industry. Fans of World of Warcraft, perhaps the world's best-known online multiplayer game, face disappointment today. Activision Blizzard, the game's maker, had planned to host a virtual event to announce the latest version of the 16-year-old game. 
Instead, the publisher called it off, not wanting to distract from Black Lives Matter protests. It is not the only gaming event to have been cancelled of late. Last week, Sony delayed revealing details about its new PlayStation 5, also citing the protests. Yet, even without new launches, online gaming has thrived thanks to players stuck in lockdown. Steam, a popular PC gaming app, attracted its highest ever number of users in April. Nintendo's share price increased by 40% between mid-March and mid-April. Epic Games, another publisher, experienced such demand for downloads of Grand Theft Auto V, a blockbuster, that the firm's servers crashed. For all of the interruptions, the games will surely go on. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Charles Dickens, who died on this day in 1870. No one is useless in this world who lightens the burden of it to anyone else. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.